Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey everybody, it's Erin Carey, and today we have a bonus episode. We are going to sit down and just talk a little bit about grief. This is an issue that a topic that comes up during the holidays, and I feel like this year in 2020, we're experiencing gr- grief at an all new level. And so I'm sitting here with Michael Sweeney. He is a native of Stephenville, Texas. He moved to Dallas in 2002. He earned his counseling master's at Dallas Theological Seminary and completed the program in 2008. He completed his internship and has been a licensed professional counselor since 2011. And Michael is a friend of my husband's. And it's funny, like I've talked to all of these awesome licensed professional counselors on my podcast, but never my husband. (laughs) And so you got to get him on seriously. And I, you know, and I even reached out to another friend of mine that is a counselor. I said, who do you know, that would be really great at talking about this topic of grief. And she mentioned Michael. So Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. It is. It's going to be good. I I just, this is a kind of a last minute thing, honestly, and a last minute idea for me, but I think it's important to talk about. I think we need to talk about it. So before we really get into all of the details, maybe you could just kind of explain what is grief? What is your definition of grief? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Is I, I think about talking about topics like these, trying to define them is is often difficult because it they sometimes mean different things to different people. And, and so I try to make it pretty simple. And just the idea of of grief being our reaction to a loss of some kind. You know, just very simply making it that. There's often an idea that grief has to be about death, um, and, and it may be about death, just not necessarily the kind of death that we think about as far as human death, but there's all kinds of death or loss that we, we get to experience. And so that's what I'll be coming from in this is just looking at our reaction to losing something. That, yeah, that's really good because I, I think this time of year, I don't know why, and maybe that's something we can get into. I, for whatever reason, this time of year just brings up grief for a lot of yeah. people, people, even yeah. I mean, this non-human loss, right? Yeah. Like what, what is it about the holiday season that does that you think? Well, it's so interesting because you tend to find a, like polarization, right? When people talk about the holidays, there's a tendency for people to either say, oh, I love the holidays. I can't wait for the holidays. I'm anticipating it eagerly, right? Or I can't stand the holidays. I just, I'm ready for this to be kind of over with. And you see these, these opposite ideas, which tells you when you look at the idea of, of, of the holidays and all the ideas that we usually tend to associate with that, it seems often strange that people would want to avoid those or not want to be a part of it. And so there is something in that that is, you know, can be at odds with maybe what we want or what we hope that something will be uh, in this time. And not to mention that we're not going to be at work, our routines are disrupted during the holidays, and we're going to be around a bunch of people, some of whom we love, some of whom we don't really know and rarely see. So you know, for a lot of us that, that deal with any sort of anxiety with people, 
that's going to bring up some feelings as well that that is more than just relating to grief. That's a good point. I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way, that it, we are going to be encountering situations that might be uncomfortable, that might yeah. be unfamiliar or, you know, you <laughs> like oh, yeah. this one time a year, I have to see this one relative you yeah, know? Absolutely. and it absolutely. can bring up a lot. So I never, and, and sometimes even the comments that family members make that, you know, they make the same types of comments every, every year. single year. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So I I've never thought about that before, but that's a really good point. Yeah. And, and so gosh, I just think about this year, 2020, right. We've mm-hmm. lost, there are people <laughs> lost loved ones, not just COVID. There are COVID losses, but there are your regular losses, you know, and there are people that have even lost contact with their loved ones, our elderly who are isolated and we don't get to see. And so I think that there's probably grieving to be done there. Um, then you have our kids, all the things our kids have lost, you know, I mean, there's just, yeah. So it's interesting because in a way we're already going into, if, if this is a time of year that is either conflicting, you know, maybe I, I want to enjoy this time, uh, but I have trouble with it, or or I don't look forward to this time. I mean, you, you think about normally we have, you know, a quote unquote normal year of going through things that are kind of expected. We know what we're going to get in a lot of ways. That has not been the case this year, right? I mean, everything has kind of been turned on its head for for whatever reason, and now we're going into this situation that's already stressful for a lot of us not really even having the time to kind of recover, maybe even from the last year holiday season. Mm. So it puts us at a disadvantage from the get-go to to enter into a a season that we're already not really kind of uh, caught up or, you know, feeling comfortable with ourselves or our feelings or where we are. So kind of starting from behind is, that's, that's just never a good place to be. It's never a comfortable place to be when you feel like you're starting from behind. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's so true. And I just, even as you're talking, I have a flashback to a conversation I had with my daughter. She's like, I really want to go to, she mentioned a certain mall we go to every mm-hmm. year. They have great decorations. Great. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I, I just don't know if, if they're going to have all that this year. I don't know. And she's like, well, can we at least go and see? I'm like, yes, we'll go. You know, I mean, yeah. because it's, I don't know. I don't know what's open. I don't know what place is requiring certain things. I mean, it's just a yeah, the it's sense of the unknown. Game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a head game. You're absolutely right. And one of the things that's been, you know, so amazing during this time to see is how all the little things that we we just accepted, maybe even took for granted. Uh, maybe not right the the quite the right phrase there. The things that we we assumed were going to be a certain way are not there. And so not only do we have new things that we've never had to deal with before we don't even have the things that we thought were in place that made sense to us. So again, kind of a feeling of, of starting from behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess my question then is, is how, how can we, what's, what do we do? What do we do with yeah. this? How do we handle these? You know, we had Tiffany on the podcast. She's mm-hmm. one of your, um, I don't know what we say. We say colleagues at Co- coworkers, colleagues, yeah, friends, something like that. All those things. And she was the person who got me to not say negative emotions. We say unpleasant <laughs> emotions. And I do that all the time now, thanks to her because of her episode. Isn't and it, great? it was so great. So how do we handle these unpleasant emotions? Mm-hmm. And when these things are being stirred up, what, what do we do? What can yeah, we do with that? A- 
that's a great way to approach it. And, and you'll find we all kind of have our own vocabulary of things that we've learned. One of the things that uh, it's easy to get caught up in the idea of, of right and wrong, a right way to, to manage this, a wrong way to do it, a good way to do it, a bad way. And sometimes we'll even use kind of code words. If it's not the perfect way or the right way, we'll say the best way. But what we really mean is kind of the right way. It's important to know that there's not there's not just one way to approach this because even, you know, just the two of us, there's at least two different ways that we, uh, perspectives that we go into this situation. And so when you multiply that by everybody that there is out there and their experiences, there, there's not a right way to do this. The way that, that I kind of would like to look at it is to look at what's most helpful for you. And, and that may not be what is, you know, the most um, therapeutic thing or the most um, healthy thing necessarily for the long term. There are times that it doesn't, I don't feel that I'm equipped or I'm ready, or even that I want to engage in addressing an issue. Um, I, I would much rather, uh, especially, you know, the people that I work with to, to make a decision if that's something that they want to do instead of feeling this, you know, pressure that they have to do this thing for, you know, there's a person that's there and I, and I feel like, well, I, I have to talk to them about this thing. I have to address this issue because if I don't, I'm doing something wrong. Well, I don't know where that idea comes from because maybe it, it might be more helpful for somebody to not engage in that at this time and try to just enjoy uh, whatever is around. Try to, to focus on the things that, from the perspective you were saying earlier, is a more um, uh, enjoyable moment or an enjoyable uh, place to be. Um, there is kind of a, a misconception that there's a, a, a right or wrong way to grieve. And that just doesn't, that doesn't ring true in, in the work that I do, that there's a right or wrong way to do it. Um, and even if there were, that could change from situation to situation. And so for, for people to go into these situations, kind of looking at it, you, we're approaching the holidays and say, what would be most helpful for me? Um, because there's a lot of unknown, um, but there are some things that are more known. You know, if, if myself, I'm, I'm a husband and a father, well, my priority, and I want it to be that way, is to, to be a, a connected, loving, engaged husband and father. Well, if there's something else that's going on around in a situation that's going to take me out of those roles for, you know, and make me less effective in those things that I actually want to do and enjoy doing, it's okay for me to not engage in that other thing. I don't know if that makes sense. Sometimes totally that I... <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. And just finding, as I always use the phrasing, nourishing, finding what's nourishing for yeah. you right now, yeah. even though it might not be something like, okay, for me, for example, my therapy is I will binge on fiction books, reading. Yeah. Like not yeah. even, I know everybody loves to do the binging on Netflix. No, I need a book. <laughs> I don't know what it is that's soothing for me. It soothes my, it slows down my heart rate. It's yeah. just a coping mechanism I picked up since I was a little kid. And for, there are times in my life where I stop reading fiction because it makes me more present for my family. Yeah. <laughs> but then, and then there may be some times that you can read a little bit and it actually refreshes you enough to be more present with your right. family. Right. And so I think if that's, that's kind of an example, I, that's kind of what I'm hearing you say is yeah. like, this is a time that we need to just take extra care of ourselves and, yeah. and look for those triggers. And what are, what are some triggers that, that we should be looking out for? It's a really good question. When, when we talk about grief, uh, Elizabeth Cooper uh, Ross wrote um, and did a lot of research on death and dying. And so when we talk about grief, people will go to, oh, the stages of grief, right? And mm -hmm. it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, 
and then acceptance. There's a couple of, at least from what I've read and understood, some misconceptions about that, right? One is that you know, initially that was, it was really more about finding out, really wrestling with our mortality, right? And so you, you see the idea of denial. There's a lot of people who will be experiencing grief that aren't going to have any denial at all. In fact, it's, it's you know, if, if, you, if you lose a loved one, a loved one dies, there's not a whole lot of time that we're going to sit there and be in denial that they're, they're actually dead. You know, that, that's a thing to accept. And so to take those five things and realize that it's not just about those five stages. And also those things don't necessarily happen in order. It's not like, okay, I've got to move through denial and then I'm going to get to anger and I've got to really fully experience that anger. And then I can move on to bargaining almost like, you know, levels in a video game or something like that. And it's, it is, it is not linear. It is not that straightforward. Uh, and in fact, it's not really uncommon to experience a lot of those at the same time. Mm. Right. And so it, it may be a little overwhelming to look, uh, you know, to try to look for those things, but there's also some other things besides those, right. If you want to look at the, look for those things, right. Are there places where I'm angry um, that it's out of character that I'm angry or, you know, as we would say, sometimes that was that situation you faced was a two and your anger expression was like an eight or a nine, something's not quite matching up mm. there. Right. So to be able to be aware of that, um, bargaining, that's a little bit of a tricky one right there. Um, but, but depression, I'm sad. That one actually makes sense. And it's probably one of the easier ones to look for. You know, if I'm experiencing grief, then I'm, you know, I'm going to look sad. That's really often where we kind of get stuck. If I'm not sad, then I'm, I'm not experiencing grief. Well, what about, um, what about, uh, trouble concentrating as I struggle to find the words that I'm looking for, right? Trouble concentrating. Um, Things that I normally could do and didn't have much of an issue doing are, are kind of perplexing to me. Uh, I'm forgetting things. I'm, uh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. Um, that's kind of an easy one to look for because there's a distraction. If I'm grieving, things are off wow. from the way that they normally are. And so I'm, I'm going to have that other thing, that other stuff on my mind that's going to make it more difficult. It distracts me whether I know that it's distracting me or not. So that's a good one to look for. Um, sleep. How's my sleep? Am I am I having trouble falling asleep? These are usually the two. I'm having trouble falling asleep, or when I fall asleep, it's either fitful or I wake up when I don't normally wake up and I can't get back to sleep. That's a huge one right there. And we we often, you probably know this, underestimate the importance of good rest mm -hmm. that we have to have. Uh, and if we don't have that, back to starting from behind. You know, I, I wake up in the morning and I already feel like uh, I'm overwhelmed, and that's that's not a great feeling there. Um, you, you talked earlier too about eating, right? And that's again, difficult because during the holidays, we often eat differently than we do the rest of the year. I know at our office, we'll have on a, a normal year, we'll have food from all different kinds of places just kind of sitting on the table. And so it's hard to know whether I'm, am I grieving or am I just eating because I'm actually grazing, you know, so it's just kind mm -hmm. of right here. So uh, to look at our appetite and, and those are some kind of indications, which are just everyday things, right? It would be easy to to miss those that I'm distracted, I'm not sleeping well, uh, or my eating patterns are a little bit different, along with, am I angry in, in places that don't make sense? Do I, do I have trouble admitting things are going on that are actually going on and are easy for people to see around me? So those are some things you can look for. The hard part about it is we all have blind spots. Uh, the, the way that I kind of describe that sometimes, rarely, but sometimes people will push back and like, oh, I don't have any blind spots. I've done a lot of work on myself. I'm like, really, what does the back of your head look like? Like we can get a picture of it. We can, you know, maybe have somebody describe it, but we just don't know. There are things that we can't see. And that highlights the importance of the people who are around us. If we have people around us to say, 
hey, there's a good chance that I'm experiencing some grief here, or I, I'm aware that that might be something going on. Can you just help me watch for this? So bringing other people into that, that process uh, is, is a really important um, way to notice and to look out for that grief. Yeah. And I, I think those, I, I've never thought about that before, the distraction and the, the anger. And I mean, that could be so freeing for some people just to hear that, to hear that, Hey, yeah. this is normal because yeah. you're right. We do hear about those other stages, but I'm mm -hmm. thinking even for myself and my past, when I've gone through intense periods of grief or this year, how hard it's been and all these little weird things that have been off that I feel like yeah. are just off and aren't yeah. right. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? You know, right. It comes back to you. Mm -hmm. that, but that's not like, we need to be it's, giving grace to ourselves. Yeah. Through this, yeah. What's right? wrong with you is, is that you're experiencing grief, which means there's actually, it's not an indictment of you. You haven't done anything wrong. What would it be like to take that and say, Oh wait, that's actually grief. That's doing that stuff. That's keeping me from doing those things. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't have to take responsibility for that, but you're right. There's so many different kinds, kinds of losses. That's another thing to kind of look out for too, is I, uh, I've, I've done grief groups in the past and, it, it's funny you having me on here. I am, I am far from the world's expert on grief, um, but I, in a way, am kind of an expert on it because I've experienced it and, and we all have to some degree. Uh, pretty common theme that you'll, you'll see when you're around people who are grieving is if you have people tell their stories and, and why they decided to come get some help with, with grief and grieving, the common thread is that their grief is usually not as bad as everybody else's grief or, oh yeah, that's real grief. You lost this person or this thing mm -hmm. happened to you. Oh, that's real grief. My, mine's not really grief. There's kind of this I do underlying, yeah. yeah, you undercut it, right? Yeah. I think we all do that. And that's, and we do that with trauma, right? Like, oh, well, absolutely. my trauma isn't as bad. And we're not talking about trauma, but that's yeah. often those things are so intertwined. So yeah, that's interesting. And so do you find that that's common for anybody with any kind of grief that they have? They Yeah. They well, it's, it's one way or another. I mean, you, you talk about it being, you know, not talking about trauma, but in a way grief is traumatic, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's something that takes us out of the way that you know, things were or what was comfortable or the way it was supposed to be. And yeah, there, there's either, and again, this is, this is kind of black and white, but a tendency to either, either over-identify or under-identify with it, right? My grief defines me and, and I can't be seen in any other way uh, than, you know, a, a widow or unemployed, or uh, I, you know, didn't get my dream job or whatever it was, right? Or that's not a big deal at all. In fact, it's, it's so not a big deal that it's not even a deal, right? That under identification with it, but neither one of those are actually helpful because they're not, they're not looking at the reality of loss. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That I, this is totally going in a different direction than I expected, which I love when that happens. <laughs> That's great. No, it's giving me so many things. I'm often not stumped on, Ooh, what, where, where do we go next? But right now I'm like, I need to sit and think through this because now I'm, I, I don't, and I don't often think about how it affects me, but today I am. So I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing right now? Well, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's good. You're pulling out some good stuff. Um, so what are, what are some things, what are things that we do intentionally or unintentionally, maybe for other people, maybe for ourselves that can, that can hinder the grieving process that, that are not good? This may be simplifying a little bit, but I would say the number one thing is avoidance or not necessarily just denial, but, but an unwillingness to 
to name it, to address it, to put it out there. Um, there's been volumes of books, you know, written about grief and the grieving process and how do we complete grief and what is complicated grief and complex and all that. But they they all have one thing in common to, to, to work through it or resolve it or make it complete. You have to address it. And what we often find is that, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer that, uh, probably the number one coping mechanism that we go to is, is avoidance, you know, mm-hmm. and that can look so many ways. I, mm-hmm. I can be avoiding something and be really busy, right. But I'm actually not addressing the thing that, that that's confusing to me, or I don't know what to do with it. And so I would say, if there's anything that really hinders the grieving process, it's not engaging in the grieving process is what hinders it the most. The next thing underneath that is probably what you mentioned earlier too, which is the idea of discounting it, right? Or undercutting it or, or finding reasons that it's, that it's not as bad as, as what we define grief to be, or uh, I don't need help with it, or I don't want to bother you. You're so often of like, oh, I don't, I don't want to put that out there because I don't want to, to, to burden the other person. And you know, the, the truth of it is any relationship is, has the tendency to be a burden to somebody else, but burden doesn't necessarily have to be a, a negative thing, right? That, I mean, my, well, at least one of my kids is young enough. I can still lift him up to this day, but to, to give him a piggyback ride or put him on my shoulders. I mean, that is the technical definition of that is he, he is a burden. He's something that I'm carrying, but I willingly take that on. I love doing that. And part of, us being in relationships and, and close with other people is that we, we get to bear each other's burdens. And there is an idea too, that says that when we share a burden with somebody else, it, it gets lighter. And so I'm not actually putting the full burden on them. They're just helping me share that burden. And the beauty of that is the more people that are there, the lighter that burden seems to get. So by undercutting it and saying it's not a big deal and not wanting to put it out there on other people or burden them, we're, we're actually hindering that process and, and really kind of being handcuffed uh, instead of getting help. Yeah. And, and that also just brings up a really good point of the importance of relationships and community yeah. and, and not grieving alone and not yeah. holding on to things alone. Um, how do people, you know, say people don't feel like they have support in, in that way, how can they find that? I mean, are the, what mm-hmm. are some resources, some go-tos for people that are like, yeah, that sounds great, but I don't have that in my life. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point too, because oftentimes we're grieving the loss of someone who was, you know, a companion or, or, um, you know, a job where I had people who were there who automatically kind of identified with me. I mean, I hate to be the, the guy who shills for it, but counselors, therapists, I mean, mm-hmm. that is, is a great place to go. Um, and, and I understand that, that may feel awkward sometimes. Uh, but one of the things that I found really great about just being, being on both sides, honestly, uh, as a therapist and as a, a client as well, is there's something that's freeing about going to an office and talking to someone. If what we were talking about just now, I don't want to put a burden on somebody. Well, um, it's easier to feel like you're not putting a burden on somebody when that's their job. Right. True. <laughs> I mean, and if nothing else, and I'll, I'll put this out there sometimes, like you don't have to feel bad for, quote unquote, putting this burden on me because you're paying me for this, right? So it's like, what a gift that is to be able to mm-hmm. have someone whose job is to listen to you, um, to be able to go do that. And it doesn't have to be necessarily somebody that, you know, a, a therapist, there are other people, there's support groups. Um, you know, I was going to say in, in a normal year, there'd be support groups, but you know, if there's 
there's a lot of great things that have come out of this time. And one of them is um, we can talk to people online in a way that we've never been able to before. Mm. And it's, it's almost like being in the room sometimes, but I'll say this, it's, it's not the same, but it's definitely better than not connecting with somebody. And so reach out to somebody that's, um, you know, that, that maybe you haven't talked to in a while or, or, or share with somebody who, um, you know, you get a sense that they, um, I, I can connect with this person. We have something in common, uh, in some way, um, you know, family is, is part of that. But again, if you don't have family, that's a little bit tricky, but there's churches, um, pastors are often very willing to help out. And I've even found that, you know, sometimes people worry about the cost of therapy, um, there's a lot of places where you can get either low cost, free therapy. A lot of churches uh, around help support people. They just have to ask for help. And that's mm-hmm. often the barrier is that people don't want to ask for help, even though these places have funds set aside specifically for the purpose of helping people who don't have those options. And so that's that's one place to start. My The way I see it as a therapist oftentimes is if you don't have that support group, I'll, we can start here and then let's work on one, two people. It doesn't have to be a whole group of people. Let's just find some people that you can bring into your life to where I can hopefully eventually work myself out of a job. Yeah, seriously. And I, well, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, <laughs> no, but no, it is not. I, I think your job's going to be in more demand than ever. Um, but, and it is right now because I think what's happening to, well, two, uh, two thoughts. One, um, if I had a dollar for every single time that I've told somebody to go to counseling, (laughs) you know, because I I think a lot of times we wait till it's too late. Or again, it goes back to that whole, well, my issue isn't as bad as their issue. I don't don't have a mental illness. I don't have, I mean, I got back into counseling three years ago and I didn't really have a reason for it. Well, actually now it's been four years. Um, It was just because I had my third baby and it was really hard having three kids. That was it. (laughs) That was what sent me back in. And it was so good. So why do, why do people wait so long? You know, like, but what is it? Well, like you just said, right, we, we feel like we have to have a problem or an identified problem to be able to, to go, I don't know, reach out, ask for help or something like that. Um, what about the idea of self-care? You know, that, that there's something about just doing things that are enjoyable or going back to my word, helpful, things that are helpful for us to do. And, and why would we not do that? Well, I just I don't want to put them out. I don't want to do that. I don't have time for that. Well, then what happens, right, is something else is going to fill up that time, you know, trouble and problems and stress. It's like water. If you don't have anything barrier there, it's going to fill up the space. And so if you don't make time for it, it's going to get filled up with something else. And the, you're talking about the reason that, that people don't seek help is part of it is that undercutting, right? My problem's not bad enough. There, you don't have to have a, a problem to go into therapy. I can promise you if you have a decent therapist, even just a decent therapist, when you go in there thinking you don't have any problems, you will find a problem. It will <laughs> so show up every time. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. That is really true. And that's good. I mean, I, I, going back to what you said, finding things that are helpful for you and knowing your triggers and being aware that there's a whole lot of self-awareness that needs to happen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially as we're processing these things. But what about maybe we don't necessarily... Or, or anybody who's listening to this doesn't necessarily have something they are grieving over, mm-hmm. but somebody in their life is. How can we support mm-hmm. others who are grieving without, you know, verging into codependent territory, without <laughs> taking on their grief? Or, you know, we have all these yeah. ways of yeah. hope that negatively impacts us. But what can we do for others in our world life 
sphere who are grieving right now. Well, you mentioned it there, right? Without overstepping or becoming codependent or something, that that's one of the things that keeps us as, as a helper. And I'm not talking as a therapist, I'm talking just as a person, you know, who can help other people. Uh, I, I don't want to overstep, right? It's easy to get stuck in a place of, of being fearful that I'm going to make a mistake. Um, and, and it's one of the hardest things for us to overcome. I, I would almost rather we we take the chance and maybe make make a mistake or, you know, be a little bit, you know, ask a question that maybe feels like a bit too much or, Oh, I kind of overstepped or whatever. And almost better to do that than to not say anything, because at least in that way we can know, or if if somebody doesn't want help, you know, Hey, we, we gave it a shot. We put ourselves out there. We made ourselves available and you never know when that's going to change when something's going to hit and they're going to say, you know what, this person reached out to me. And so uh, they're, they're a person that is willing to engage in this process with me. Another thing that we talked about earlier was, you know, in, in recognizing the things about ourselves, you know, with our, our sleep, our mood, um, our distraction, do we, do we seem a little bit off? Uh, it, it's to, to start in that place because oftentimes people aren't going to realize that they're, they're grieving something, but you can notice that their behavior is different or something is off and, and just get curious with them and say, Hey, you seem a, a bit more distracted than usual. Have you, have you thought about that or where that comes from? Or do you, do you know what's going on there? Just to provide a path, you're, you're just getting curious and you're asking questions. I mean, that's the, the secret when it comes to, to great conversation and, and, and therapy is just asking questions, being curious about stuff and getting to, you know, almost like a detective in a way, tell me more about that. And I'm very guilty of this one when somebody will say something and, and I will pretend like I know what they're talking about instead of, asking a question and saying, I'm not quite sure what that means. Can you, can you explain that a little bit? And then boom, they, they get to be the expert about something. And when you talk about helping other people, that it's, it's the brilliant thing about relationships, right? Is that so often I tell my clients this, maybe not as often as I, as I could, I get just as much out of helping them as, as they get from me helping them. And it's just the way that relationships and connecting with people goes is that, when we're doing it well, we both get something out of it. it. It's not like this, you know, this kind of economy that we have of where things are limited and I've got to get mine. And if, if I'm, if you're getting yours, then I'm not getting mine. Mm-hmm. We, we can both, we can do something that's mutually beneficial. And that works really well when we reach out to help. Uh, oftentimes we find that they help us as well. So making yourself available and, and being curious are probably the best ways we can do that. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And, and asking questions and asking clarification on, yeah. on what you're, yeah. what the I other mean, play saying. dumb if you have to, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, yeah, just, what does that mean? I don't, you don't know what that means. No, I don't help, help me understand yeah. that. Yeah. It's a good marriage tip too. I think mm. <laughs> help me mm-hmm. understand yeah, <laughs> that's you're not a wrong. Good way to start off there, yes. which we haven't had. I think that's going to be my intro um, to, to getting Richard on the show, Richard, my husband, for anybody who doesn't know, I think we're going to do a marriage episode. I think he's that a that pretty good marriage therapist. Fun. You should probably yeah. try to get him on. <laughs> We can air all of our dirty laundry, all of our issues and authenticity, we call it, right? Yeah, totally, totally. So, and I know this is something we kind of covered some of them already, but I want to make sure we get a chance to discuss this a little bit more. Are there any other misconceptions about grief? You know, you mentioned it's not linear. It's not just those stages. Yeah. Is there anything else that we could clear up? Yeah, yeah, I think so. The, The first one that I would say is, is to to remember that grief is not just about the death of a person or, or even, you know, the death of an animal or something like that. I have, I've worked with many people 
who are grieving the loss of dreams or hopes or expectations. And it's one of the most painful things that they can go through because they feel stuck, right? If we want to call it like uncompleted grief, that's what it is. And, and it gets to a place where they don't even want to call that grief. It, it almost sounds weird to call that grief, but when you're able to call it grief and, and, and recognize that that thing that you thought was going to, going to be there isn't there and, it, and it's gone, there's a real sense of, of understanding and, and acceptance. Again, getting kind of to that place of acceptance, which then allows us to, to do the things that are still there, right? When you look at grief, the idea is I've lost something and yet I'm still here and all these other things are still here. So how can I engage in those? So to look at uh, other ways that we may be grieving, loss of a job, a dream, uh, some possibilities, a, a relationship, an expectation. Th that's one misconception is to, to broaden the idea of what grief is in that way. I, I would say that, that some other ones are, um, you mentioned it earlier that, that this isn't as bad as what we would say is real grief, you know, or I have an idea in my mind of what grief is and mine doesn't fit that. So, we, you know, got to get that out of our head that if it, if it hurts, if it feels like loss, it, it's grief and, and it's going to be most helpful if we address it that way. Um, the next one is that there's, there's a right way to grieve. I mean, honestly, it's, there's no timeline when it comes to this and there's not even necessarily a, a right way to do it. Um, I, I think about that, you know, when people lose a, a loved one in our jobs, it's like, how, how long can you take off? Well, maybe a day if it was a, you know, somebody in your family, I mean, oh, this is your grandfather. Like you're going to take a day off of work because your grandfather died. Well, that's, it's almost like there's these rules mm -hmm. unwritten, sometimes maybe written of how we should do this. And it, it, it can put an idea in our head that, um, I need to be over this. I should be over this thing, or this shouldn't bother me the way that it does. And you know, that, that's a misconception is that I, there's a way to approach it. That's right. And that is, it's, it's laughable to even think uh, that it would be that way. Um, I, I would say the last one is kind of going with that is, is the time period. Um, you know, there, there is no set time period for how long that grieving process takes. Um, and then also the idea too, that because I still miss somebody or miss something, or I'm sad about something that, you know, it's, it's the way that it was before I haven't moved forward. I haven't moved on or all those words that people use. Uh, it, it's okay. I, I mean, I can't imagine losing someone or something really important and there being a time in my life when that's not going to be, you know, something that pops up. It's, it's almost ludicrous to think about that as being something that will go away. And so just because it, it comes back, doesn't mean that you haven't, you know, gone through a process of engaging it or addressing it or that you've done something wrong uh, just because it comes up. Yeah, that's good. Do you, do you think that there's a shame associated with grief? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, and maybe this is a Western thing. My, my experience isn't super broad, right? But there's, <laughs> there's an idea of or this, this commercial a while back talked about Americans and we, you know, we work hard and we don't take days off and all this sort of stuff. And it, it, it was kind of, kind of funny and kind of jokey, but also like there, there's kind of a message in there of resting is wrong. If we're resting, then we're lazy. You know, it, it, if we're grieving and we're not at work or we're not able to do the things that we normally do, or it affects me in a way where I'm not as uh, able to, you know, be engaged with life, uh, there can be a, a negative message there that I'm, I'm doing something wrong and takes it back to what you said earlier of, 
you know, it, it's not about what we're doing wrong. It's like, no, that's grief interfering in this process. That, that is, that is a, a reminder to me that something is off. And what would it be like, oh, think about this, right? What would it be like as a Christian, if I could love that part of myself instead of judging that part of myself? Mm-hmm. For real. Yeah. Because that's, we we are so judgy with ourselves and with other people too, but I think we're really judgy with ourselves and we have these expectations for how we're supposed to do things. And like with grief, like, oh, well, you know, you're sad for a while you do a funeral thing and then like, you just go on and, you know, or or even with like, again, going back to, it's not always a a loss of a human. It's this other stuff. And I think that's shaming too. And I I mean, there are just so many different ways. Oh, absolutely. You know, if if I'm experiencing grief about this, as if we have any control over that, by the way, but if I am experiencing grief about this, then it's because I'm addressing this wrong, or I'm doing something wrong, or I'm not doing enough or whatever. What about I'm just grieving? Right. No judgment. It just is what it is. Yeah. And that's okay. And it's okay to be, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Um, Is there anything else, you know, you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of things that that I think will be helpful in processing grief and, and figuring out what are the things we're grieving, but, you know, you mentioned doing things that are helpful for you and I think, and also staying away from that mindset of, oh, their grief is harder than yeah. or they're worse than mine. Yeah. You know, some of those double standards. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. What are some other ways that we can process that are helpful tools? Yeah. Other well, and counselors, of course, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, talking to people is, is again, a great way to do that. Putting it out there. Um, writing is something that, that's pretty neglected. I, I have uh, an anxious mind. And so my thoughts run a lot faster. I know it may be hard to believe to some people who know me faster than my mouth, but my, my thoughts run so fast and I'm trying to, you know, think of and figure everything out at once. And the amazing thing about writing sometimes is, is it forces us to slow down and be deliberate about what we're giving our attention to. And that, that probably is going to feel wrong to a lot of us at first. And that's great because it allows us to realize we can't, there's never a checklist that we can complete that, that it's done. There's always going to be something added to it. You know, that it, it just continues as long as we're alive. And so we get to, to kind of have an experience of choosing how we want to address this. And, and the idea that I like is, is shelving some things or, you know, compartmentalization gets a bad rap. Um, but yet it, our house is not just, well, a lot of times our house is not just strewn with everything all the time. We have places for things. That's not seen as a negative thing to put something in an appropriate place. But yet when everything starts to come at us, it feels wrong to compartmentalize those. Well, what if we're actually just saving it for a time when we can address it in, in the most healthy or the most helpful way um, or, or, or that we have the energy for it? So, so to be able to... to to put things in a place and slow down there. So writing is one way to do that. Um, you, you mentioned earlier the idea of a funeral. You know, it's, it's one thing that we've still held on to, even as, as much as we have trouble oftentimes as American people uh, in, in grieving, is that there's a, there's a ceremony. There, there's, there's a, a set apart time and place to, to grieve the loss and to, to acknowledge that something is different than it was before. Uh, I've, I've seen people do that in many ways, writing a goodbye letter, um, having a, you know, having a, if it's not a funeral, some sort of a ceremony, right? Letting balloons go, um, doing something that if we lost a person that they loved doing, having an experience. So those are kind of tangible ways that we can, we can do that. Another one would be just to, um, to be, 
this this may sound a little bit odd, but the idea of, of com- putting things where they, you know, addressing them as, as it feels most helpful for us, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to do some fun things. You know, we can we can do that in a way that's avoiding, right? That that I'm going to make a joke about everything and we can't ever have a serious conversation or I'm going to constantly be doing all these other things that are uh, avoiding the pain or the loss that I feel. But it's also okay to do that because sometimes we, we have a limited capacity, not just as you know physically, and we talked about sleep earlier, we can't just stay up for days, we have to sleep sometimes, that we also have a limited emotional capacity. And the hard part is we can't just like take a blood test and be like, yep, yeah, you've got 10% emotional capacity left and you know, better go ahead and do this. It is okay to say, I don't want to, to, to sit with this pain right now. I'm going to go do something else and I'm going to choose to do that. And that's a, I think a neglected part of it too, is celebrating the joy, the fun, that, that those are parts of recognizing that, that we're still here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a good reminder. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's another thing we can feel guilty about is if we have one happy moment in the midst of grieving, you know, it's another thing we can be judging ourselves for, Uh, but that's important. That's real. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So much good stuff. And we are out of time. I'm going to throw one last question at you. It's the question I love to ask people and you know, the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice and it doesn't have to be about grief, but it could be about anything to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? Oh man, that's a really great question. You know, I'll say it this way. There was a, uh, when I started out as a counselor, uh, I, uh, I looked up to a lot of people who did it a certain way. Um, and that looked different than the way that I naturally kind of approached life. And speaking of judging, right, I, I would say it's wrong of me to do that. I need to, to box that part up. I need to push it aside, push it down or whatever. So, so to spark wholeness is, is to recognize the parts of you that you, you're, they just kind of naturally are part of you. And, and don't push those away. Try to engage in them. Try to, try to lovingly approach them. And recognize that we we each have something different to offer, um, and and by trying to be somebody else, we miss out on that. We're the only person who's ever been us that will ever be us. And to be able to be that, to not try to be somebody else, but to uh, to to be who you are. I mean, that may sound a little bit generic, but I like to laugh and I like to joke, and maybe that's why I threw that in at the end of this. And for a long time, it felt wrong of me to do that. And I've, I've gotten to a point now where, you know, there'll be a, a serious issue in a marital session or something like that. And I'll just stop and say, we need to laugh a little bit. Let's, <laughs> let's lighten this up. And then we can go back and engage it. But that is something that I pushed away for a long time. And it's been really freeing to be able to, uh, to recognize that part of me that, that likes joy and to be able to, uh, to experience that. That may not be everybody's kind of go-to that's mine. And I love joy and I want to experience that whenever I can. So go for that thing, find it and go for it. I love it. I feel like I just got a free counseling session. So <laughs> thank you for helping me process. Um, no, so this, is, this is really good. And I remind me again, the website so that people can, you know, learn more yeah. about Magnolia, what you guys are doing. Yeah. It's, it's Magnolia counseling group.com. And there's two G's counseling group.com. So it's, it's a little bit uh, long there, but, uh, yeah, it's 
we've got great therapists um, at our place. I, lo- I love the work that we get to do. I mean, I get to talk to people for a living and get to know them and ask questions and play dumb. And it's just there's days I walk out and think this is incredible. So uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty fun. That's kind of, how I feel kind of about like what podcasting. you're doing here. It's great. Yeah, yeah exactly. I love it. It's, it's the, I'm like, maybe I should have, for my next midlife crisis, um, <laughs> I will go be it's a counselor. So yeah. Gosh. Anyway, well, thank you so much for being on. And I'm just, yeah, this was an honor. And maybe I, I'm just going to have to, every time I have a Magnolia person on, y'all just blow me away. So just going to oh, get well, the whole you, team Aaron. on. <laughs> so I, I, I was so nervous to do this and, and I'm so grateful to you. You have a very calming presence and I'm oh, very thanks. grateful for that. <laughs> thank you again. This was really good. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.